Welcome to today's message from Refuge Point Church. We would love for you to join us for one of our exciting worship gatherings each Sunday at either 9.30 a.m. or 11.15 a.m. We're located right off of I-85 in downtown West Point, Georgia. For more information, check us out online at www.refugepointchurch.org. Or you can download our church app by searching for Refuge Point Church in iTunes or Google Play. Now, here's today's message. Luke chapter 10. Uh, What I'd like to do today is something we haven't done in quite a while is talk about us as a church and talk about where God uh, perhaps is uh, placing us as a body of believers. Um, So if you you are new here, this is your first time being here, uh, don't feel like you're walking up into an awkward family meeting. You know, like if you you ever spend a night with a friend, all of a sudden dad goes, all right, we're going to have a talk. And the friend's like, do you, you mean call my mom and go pick me up? So it's not like one of those things. In fact, I think this is going to be to your benefit so that you can kind of feel the heartbeat of our church and just kind of get a sense of who we are as a church. And I think that um, I hope to just kind of talk through just three different things uh, before I kind of talk about uh, what I believe God is calling us into uh, as a church. Uh, so, again, you guys look great this morning. Uh, if you're at Luke chapter 10, uh, give me an amen. There. All right, here we go. I'm going to pick it up in verse 25. And, and what I want to do is I want to just kind of talk through three different things um, about us and what we have to continue to do as a church. And, um, and, and some of this may seem maybe perhaps you would fall into the trap of saying, well, this is just basic stuff. Um, I would caution you on that. This isn't basic stuff. This is fundamental stuff. And this is what Mark says as a church and as believers. Luke chapter 10. I'm going to pick it up in verse 25. Then an expert of the law stood up to test him. And he said this, Teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? What is written in the law? He asked him. How do you read it? And he answered, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, and with all your mind. And love your neighbor as yourself. Amen. And he said, you've answered correctly. Do this, and you will, uh, and you will live. There are just two things from this text um, that I think that we have to continue to do as a church, as we continue to move forward, as we continue to press into what God has for us as a church. This, this first thing will seem like an elementary uh, thing, but it's, it's an important thing. In fact, it's the only thing that matters, and that's to keep Christ first. And not just to keep him first, but also to keep him at the center of all that we do. Yes. Jesus tells him, or the man answers the question correctly. He says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your mind, all your soul. But let's just be honest in this room. It's, it's difficult to love someone without even having an understanding of that person. Um, that's why I don't think many of you would sign up to do uh, a marriage that has been arranged. Can I get an amen from somebody right there? I mean, if you want to. <laughs> I mean, I got some folks that I can marry off. Uh, they may not be good, but you know, they're going whatever. So I think the idea presses further than just the love of God with all your heart, your strength, and your soul. There has to be a knowledge of who He is. So the pressing thing about loving God is how can you love someone if you don't know them? 
How can we as a body of believers say we love Jesus? Jesus is at the center of everything that, that we do as a church when we don't even have an understanding of his character, okay. when we don't even understanding, have an understanding of who he is as Jesus. Yeah. It's one thing to say that you love someone, but it's another thing to say, I love you, but I don't really know you. You know how long my marriage would last if I said, maybe I love you, but I knew nothing about that woman? It wouldn't last long. And I know many relationships, they crumble, not just marriages, but friendships and these types of things, because there is a thing about the person where they just want it to be about themselves. They don't really want to get to know the other person. And I think we've taken Christianity, and I think we've taken our understanding of Jesus is that we just want it to be about us. What can we do to receive more blessings? Hashtag blessed life, baby. <laughs> what can I do to receive more? What can I do to put God into my debt? That's what we want. That's not what God has called us into, to love the Lord with all your might and all your soul and have an understanding of who he is, that he too delights and loves you. So here's the thing that we have to do as a church. We have to keep Christ, centrality of Jesus in everything that we do. That Jesus must not just be some bullet point thing, item list that we do, but it has to be at the center of everything that we do. Amen. So he gives them this response, and, and the, the guy ask, answers the question, well, who is my neighbor? You know, it, again, I, I want to just be careful right here because I think what he should have asked was, well, show me, teach me. Like, what is that like, Jesus? Because that's what the humble person would do. That's the person who was hungry for something. But I think this guy, he's, you know, he's a, 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 this law guy, and he, he thinks he knows everything. He's trying to trap Jesus. And, and so he goes to him. He says, all right, then, who's my neighbor? All right, so listen to the response. Because Jesus doesn't give him an answer that I think Jesus always gives. You know, Jesus is like that guy who always gives you an answer that's like a, a 40,000-page storybook. Well, there was one time. And you're like, oh, God, here we go. You know those people you talk to on the phone that you can't get off the phone? Like, you got to, like, calendar three hours of your day just to, like, because you know you got to make that phone call. And they go, uh-oh, am I talking about somebody? Okay. You know, you're like, God, can you just get to the point already? I got things to do. Here's Jesus. He ain't going to get straight to the point. He's going to tell you a big old story. This is what Jesus does all the time, all right? And he does this to, because he's, he's, about to, he's hitting at something here. So, so Jesus took up the question and said, well, funny you asked. I just inserted that in there. That's not in the text. <laughs> A man was going down from Jerusalem. Notice that he was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho. And he fell into the hands of robbers. So, so this is at least a 17-mile journey. And it literally is going down about 3,000 feet in elevation. So this is a journey. That is long, and it's not just a cool little journey where you ain't got to expect nothing to happen to you. This is like walking down from Beulah. Y'all know what I'm saying? Y'all don't know Beulah, do you? Or like, you know, like some of them roads in Hughley, you know, and, I, and I'm, a, I'm from Hughley, so I'm hating on my own, okay? But some of them roads, I ain't going down. Some dirty stuff be happening down there. happening, all right? They're going down the wrong alley. 
some stuff be happening. There's some deals going on. There's these pert people who are ready to rob them. So this is not a beautiful stroll in the park. Okay. He's walking 17 miles, 3,000 down 3,000 feet in elevation, where there's some folks ready to whoop up on him. And here's what they did. They stripped him. They beat him. And then they fled, and they left him half dead. So a priest happened to be going down that road. When he saw him, he passed by on the other side. Now, it's so easy to think you know what you would do in a situation like this. But can we just be honest? Here's the task of the priest. If the priest touches this guy, he's dirty. So here's what the priest has got to do. The priest got to go through all of this ritual to get himself clean just so he can get back into the temple. So this isn't just the idea where we think, well, why didn't God just touch him and, and help him out? It's because this was going to cost the priest something. This was more than just about the priest coming to his rescue because by law, if he touches this man who was unclean, then he himself becomes unclean. And so now he's got to go through all of this long process of rituals and all of these things to get clean again. So it's easy for us to think and look at the story like, man, that dirty joker, he should have just helped him. Ah, because this man, this is something that he's fighting, which was his convenience and comfort. So we look at the story and we say, well, the easy thing to do is help him. Well, it, it's easy to say that until it, it, it starts to fight your comfort and convenience. Yeah. Yeah. Because I love my comfort and I love my convenience. Okay. And anything that tries to wrestle with my comfort and convenience, I'm probably with yeah, the priest wow. in the story. All right, let's keep reading here. In the same way, a Levite, you know, kind of a little less than the priest here. He, when he arrived at the place and saw him pass by on the other side, that's what them good old church folks are for. But not y'all, because y'all the sanctified crowd. But I want you to notice this, but a Samaritan, who listen to who Jesus uses in this story, because this is crazy. Samaritan was on his journey, came up to him. When he saw the man, he had compassion. And so he went over to him, bandaged his wounds, pouring on olive oil and wine, and he put him on the own animal, brought him into an inn, and took care of him. The next day, he took out two denarii, gave him to the innkeeper, and said, Take care of him, and when I come back, I'll reimburse you for whatever extra you spend. Now, Jesus poses this question to him. He says, so, so which of these three do you think proved to be a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of the robber? The one who showed mercy to him, he said. Then Jesus told him, he said, all right, well, you do the same. This is the equivalent, these Samaritan people by the Jews were viewed as just scum, dogs, right? I don't mean this politically charged, but kind of how some of us view them illegal immigrants. Jesus used that guy to be the superhero of the story. All right, all my conservatives, y'all calm down, okay? <laughs> it's going to be all right. I do that every now and then. Got to, you know, it's not show you. I'm not trying to be political. But can we be honest in this room? How we kind of view those people? The person that's dirty, the person that doesn't have it all together, the person that uh, doesn't belong here. Jesus said, yeah, I'll pick that guy. 
This guy was showing him something that the others couldn't do. Because this Levite, and, and perhaps this, uh, this priest here, uh, you know, it was going to cost them something financial. It was going to cost them an ox, perhaps. It was going to cost him all of these things. You know, poor Levi, he, he's not even up to where the priest is, so he ain't even got the money to help. So these guys, they, sure, they have an excuse, but it's just that. It's an excuse. So I wonder when we view people around us, I know, and I know, I know a lot of us in this room, when we view people around us, we see people in need, we could come up with at least a million reasons why we shouldn't be loved to that person or we shouldn't help that person. Because perhaps we're viewing them through the eyes and the lenses of the priest and the lenses of the Levite. Well, it's going to cost me something, preacher. It's going to cost me my comfort. It may cost me my money. It may cost me my time. So you think I've got to do that for this person? And Jesus says, listen, the guy who shows mercy on him, that's the guy who I want you to be. The guy who's showing this, this mercy and this compassion um, I, I just want to just, just real quickly just say this uh, and really commend us as a church because this week you guys, you guys really rocked it off. I mean, you guys really just rocked our world this week with how you came into uh, one family's trauma and really just stepped out, stepped up and helped them out and provided some food, provided uh, even some of you donated uh, to what happened. And, man, I just want to say thank you guys. You know what you did? You showed mercy and compassion. This is what we're after as a church. A church that looks into the hurting and says, I want to be a person of mercy. And I want to be a person who extends compassion. This is what's happening here. This word mercy here, it is is actually like someone who is there to help someone who is in need. It's like the Galatians chapter 6 verse 2, the one who is carrying the burdens of their brothers and sisters. So when you think about being a people who are a people of mercy, you are being a people who are carrying the burdens of the people around you. You're sharing in that burden. You you are extending compassion to them. Listen, if we're going to be a church, then we've got to keep Jesus as the center of everything we do. And we've got to continue to love and show mercy to the people who are around us. That's also community. That takes initiative from you. When you see people hurting, you're not the priest, you're not the Levite, and you're just like, well, I think somebody else will help out. But you yourself, you're the one taking initiative. How many hurting people are around you right now that you could step up and say, I need to show some mercy and compassion to them? I mean, I'm sure we can come up with a list of at least 10 people right now. This is what we're called to as a church. We're called to as a church, and this is what we will always be called to, is to keep Christ at the center of everything we do and have a strong and deep love for people. We show mercy. We show compassion to them. And here's the other thing that I want to give you. It's kind of a, not really a new idea. I mean, I kind of give this idea out in in many ways. But I want us to be a church that continues to be for the city. 
Notice what I didn't say. Not just in the city, because we got a lot of churches who are just in the city. Amen. They want to just kind of be in their, you know, comforts of their own four walls. And they want to just keep the gospel message to themselves because, like, they're scared because the world may give them, like, some kind of deadly disease or virus. Oh, no, if we engage them, we may, like, turn, we may turn out like one of them. We've got a lot of churches like that. Then we got, then we got churches that want to be the city. They want to, they want to be very relevant and cool and then they sacrifice that for their prophetic voice in the culture because they're just trying to fit in so much. And in so doing, they, they, just because they want to be so relevant, they want to be so cool, they forsake their prophetic, prophetic not pathetic, prophetic voice. <laughs> huh? It becomes pathetic. And then I want us to be a church, the other option here, that we're for the city. That we're still speaking in two. We're still proclaiming the message, but we're also digging deep in the city. That we're also engaging the city. That's where I, I see us doing. There's, there's a passage uh, that's outside this text that I want you to go to. It's Jeremiah 29. No, it's not 29.11. Verse that's commonly misinterpreted. This is Old Testament, y'all, so you got to do a little flipping back. Okay, I'll give you just a second, all right? Jeremiah is that, you know, that guy that's always screaming and weeping and getting thrown into a ditch, butt naked, beat, just because he's following after the Lord. You know, because following the Lord is going to bring you prosperity and all that stuff. But we'll just argue that with Jeremiah. Um, that has nothing to do with what I'm talking about. Just want to throw that in there. Jeremiah chapter 29, look at verse 4. This is what the Lord of armies says, the God of Israel. To all the exiles I deported from Jerusalem to Babylon. That's very important. This is a time where all of Israel has been exiled. They're not in their homeland. They're now in a very wicked city called Babylon. And I want you to hear what God tells them. Because this is very crucial for us as a church. Build houses and live in them. Plant gardens and eat their produce. Find wives for yourselves. Have sons and daughters. Find wives for your sons and give your daughters to men in marriage. So I guess we can arrange marriages for our children. Oh, how about that? Anyway, uh, for those of you who aren't parents... You're not excited, but for those of you who are parents, we're very excited about that. <laughs> so that they may bear sons and daughters. Isn't this a weird verse? Multiply there? Do not decrease? Where at? Not in Jerusalem. In Babylon. Pursue the well-being of the city I've deported you to. Pray to the Lord on its behalf and listen to this. For when that city thrives, you thrive. Okay. For when the city, what city are we talking about, people? Babylon. Babylon. We ain't talking about where they want to be. And I think that if, if I'm, 
when I'm reading this, I'm like, where's, where's seek the well-being of their spirituality at, God? You read that, you, you think about that? He wasn't just after their heart. He was after them being after the physicality of their human nature. He wasn't just after their spiritual needs. He wanted the people to be also about their physical needs. Now this is, for me, this is a troubling scripture. Because I wanted God to say, seek the well-being of of your homeland. I wanted God to say, I want you to go back and I want you to plant houses. Or you don't plant houses, you plant gardens. I want you to build houses. You plant gardens. Go back to your homeland, boys. It's time to, to read back what you have, uh, what's rightfully yours. But that's not what God says to them. And it's not just a spiritual call, but he's telling them, I want you to be a part of the well-being of the city. And if we want to be a church that's for the city, then we've got to be a church that's for the well-being of the city. Amen. The well-being of bringing racial reconciliation, the well-being of the economic system, the well-being of our schools, the well-being of our government systems, the well-being of the infrastructure of our cities, the well-being of our neighborhoods. That's what we have to be. When we say we are for the city, what we're talking about is that we are planting ourselves in this place. And we're for the city. We're for the well-being of this city. Like I would have loved if God said, and I, you know what I want you to do, Thrower? I want you to be for the well-being of you pick the city you want to move to. Now that would have made this, charismat- char- uh, this Presbyterian, I'm not Presbyterian, it would have made that Presbyterian goes charismatic. You know what I'm saying? All right, Thrower, No, this ain't where you want to be. Just pick where you want to go. I'll be for that place. But it's difficult when you're in a place that you really don't like and be for the well-being of that place. Am I alone in that place? I'm not saying I don't want to be here. I know that's just what everybody heard, like, well, forget you, preacher. <laughs> I don't want you here anyway. Go find another church. All right. Sit down. <laughs> but let's be straight. There are those times, and I know you've all had that thought. This Greater Valley area ain't nothing but Babylon 2.0. Like God straight up brought me in. Nineveh up in this place. Well, nobody do right. Everybody acting crazy. Can't even use a dang blinker. What is wrong with you people? And you had a place sometimes where it just feels like I don't want anything to do with the well-being of this place. Think about your job. Think about the school that God has sovereignly placed you into. Are you after the well-being of the place that employs you? Are you after the well-being of the place and the neighborhood that you live in? It may not be the best neighborhood, 
But it's where God has you at. Are you, at, are you for the well-being of that place? I know your neighbor gets on your nerves, but are you for the well-being of your neighbor? I'm just looking, making sure none of my neighbors are here. <laughs> May get a little sticky if that were true. I like my neighbors. Sometimes. Right? Listen to me, church. This is, this is where we go. This is where we are. This is who we continue to be. A church that's for the city. And what does that look like? Now, now here's, here's what I think practically, and this is where, where we go as a church in 2019, some things that I want us to focus on. And again, these things are, this is a little different than what we normally do on a Sunday, so just bear with me. As a church, I know there are some, some areas that we have to focus on and, and areas that I, I need you to help me with. And, you know, obviously those areas are, are growth, not just numeric, but growth is like let's dig into the gospel together and let's, let's get discipled and let's disciple others. And there's just a few things that I, I, I want us to be, um, to be better at, and that, that one is discipleship. And this isn't an easy one, and I'm not talking about let's create 100 ministries for discipleship. What I'm talking about is let's get better at creating a culture of discipleship, a culture of community. Because a culture of community would look like you in your own terms are grabbing people in this church and you're discipling them. It wasn't anything that we had to program. That's what a culture of discipleship looks like. A culture of community looks like that uh, I didn't have to make a sign-up sheet for somebody to lead a small group. You just said, I'm going to take this person and this person, and I'm going to go ahead and start discipling them. Yeah. And I'm going to start getting to know that person. Yeah. Listen, you may, not, you may not think you're qualified for that kind of stuff. It, it doesn't take any qualification to get to know somebody. Come on. Amen. You ain't got to wait for us to ordain you in that. Uh-oh. I mean, if you need some dollars... For some coffee and to take somebody out to coffee, Judson will glad you, be glad to give you some money. Because y'all know I ain't got none to spare. I'm on a tight budget, y'all. I got that preacher salary. But anyway, so I want, you know, I want y'all to, to know this, that a culture of community is different than creating more ministries, guilting you in to sign up for something. Because again, if we try to guilt you into something, that'll last at best one or two weeks. But what can we do? What can, let me rephrase this. What can you do to help us create the culture of discipleship in the community? Okay. And so that's, that's one area that we have to grow at and we've got to get better at. The other area, um, and I'm so glad Frank came uh, and he said this, that we're a part of sending him out. What we have to get better at, church, is being a part of sending people out. I'm not interested in creating a church that's coming, come and experience, come and get what you can. I'd love to have a church come, experience, and then get out. Yeah. I ain't kicking you out. Yeah. But I'd love to see some people who are grown in their faith okay. go out and do some work on their own. Amen. I don't know if you noticed this, but this is a lot like what Jesus said in Matthew chapter 28. Great Commission. 
That sound familiar to anybody? Go make disciples. Amen. Go and make disciples. Listen, I, I feel like, and, and I'm just sharing this with you this morning. I know this is a little different than what we do. But I feel like pastoring is what I love. I, lo- I love it. Like, I love you. And I love bearing your burdens. I love preaching the gospel. Um, and that is like at the core of, I think, how God wired me. But I think another thing that God wired me was this church planting. All right? And here's my prayer, that this isn't the only church that we plant. Come on. Now, I know, like, some of you are like, well, we're, we're not a big mega church preacher. How are we going to do that? I don't know. <laughs> but I sure as heck ain't going to wait for us to grow to 2,000 people in a town that only has 2,000 people. <laughs> That's, you, you know what? You know, this is, this is what the church should be about. Discipling. I think all the elders just got mad at me. Uh, discipling and sending people out to go do works of the gospel and plant gospel-centered churches. I'm not interested in seeing you just stay here on the sideline. I want to see you at your best and the purpose that God has given you. Here, here's the other thing. Uh, how many of you remember that, that billboard we did? The only one we were able to ever afford. Uh, but... <laughs> And that was because the guy was a Christian and he felt sorry for us. Y'all remember that billboard when you came into West Point? It was like, join our city, join our city, join our story, and rebuild the city. I used to get, like, so many people come up to me like, hey, you're that preacher. What you, how are you going to rebuild the city? And I'd be like, I don't know. <laughs> That's the God honest truth. They're like, I don't know. You want to help? I swear to you, those conversations really did happen. I'm not even making that up. And they just be like, well, why you got this billboard? You know, they're just all holy and mighty. I think, that, I, I think that an aspect of what, y'all calm down. An aspect of what we do in rebuilding, yes, it is a spiritual condition. But then it's a Jeremiah 29 condition. I challenged our leadership team last year with a question, and that was this. What is in this city that you see that does not belong here? What's something in the city that you see that shouldn't be here? And I'm going to tell you what I see that shouldn't be here, and that's the housing crisis we have. Now, I know we're a church, and I know we're partnered with the Fuller Center. But I think that we've got the right amount of people, the right amount of talent. I mean, Robin, the guy who plays acoustic guitar, he can build you a mansion with twigs. <laughs> he can look at the worst situation and look at you and he go, yeah, man, we can do it. Now, y'all don't ask him to help you with your renovations. He's helping me. Okay? <laughs> there are some of you who are very talented at a lot of this kind of stuff. What if we could push the envelope a little bit in 2019 and not just partner with the Fuller Center, but also take up some house projects? And because there's some people in this church and there's some people outside this church that need a place to live. 
And here's what I'm suggesting. I want you to be careful with me here. I'm not talking about them paying rent either. All right? Oh, I'm coming, honey. I'm talking about some Acts 4 kind of stuff. You remember the last part of Acts chapter 4? Just some crazy stuff was happening. People were without homes, without food. So you know what the church did? They pulled everything they had together, sold everything they had. And then they started dis- distributing it out to the needy. This is, I would love to see in Acts chapter 4 explode out of refuge point. And I think it's possible. Now, y'all know i got some crazy ideas, and this is one of them. But let me tell you what I have. i got the faith. And I know that God just didn't call us to put some stupid billboard up years ago that said we're going to rebuild the city. He called us to physically rebuild the city. And if i got to do it with just me and Robin back there, because I know he can actually do it, we'll do it. But I'm going to tell you what, it's going to be a lot easier if y'all would help me and that brother back there. Yeah. Here's, here's how we do that. Somebody got really excited right there. I like that. <laughs> On your art guide, I want you to look at this real quick. I'm going to close in just a second. I gave you a challenge a couple weeks ago. I don't know if y'all remember this or not. Y'all probably don't forgot, but I'm going to remind you of this every week. This is how we can accomplish this. This is how we can seek after the well-being of our city the well-being of each other, the well-being of our neighbors. Just a few simple things here. And I want to challenge you on these things that you could look on your sermon notes right underneath it. There are some challenges that I want you to walk with me, join arms with me, lock arms with me, and do this, to share your faith. Now, y'all remember that analogy I gave you a couple weeks ago? You'll be quick if somebody saves your life to tell them what happened. And so the excuse of, well, I don't really know how to tell people that Jesus saved me. Well, you just tell them that he saved you from hell. All right, that's a good starting point. Okay. <laughs> it's always good for me. Share your faith. Bringing people with you. I love all y'all, but I know there's a lot more people out there that we can love. I know there's a lot more people out there who need to experience what God is doing here. Not, again, please hear me. Not driven by numerics. Because you don't want your heart in the wrong place with that, but being driven by life change. Okay? I don't want you to, to misunderstand me on that. Serve. Like, let's get to work. And I'm not just talking about in kids back there because I know they need a lot of help back there. I'm talking about when we start some of this stuff that God's calling us into. Like, don't sit there and watch from the sideline. Like, let's do this. And then I know this other one is an unpopular one, but it can't happen unless we're actually giving financially. Oh, I'll say it, honey. This is, God has called us to do this. It's a biblical mandate on your life to give. Now, I love the last part of this. I'm going to close. It's my second closing. I love the last part of Jeremiah chapter 29. And he says that when you seek out the well-being of the city, when they thrive, you thrive. Amen. In no way am I suggesting that we are Israel and that we are in Babylon, although I have made those judgments before. But here's what I would suggest. 
that there is a law of the Bible called sowing and reaping. And I just, I just believe it, man. I believe that when we sow into where God has us, that we will be in a season of reaping. Here's what I'm going to suggest for 2019 for us as a church. We're going to move out of being a church that's just surviving because I'm tired of that mess. And I'm going to step my foot into a year where God is going to see us thrive, not just us as a church, but I'm ready for God to see. I'm ready for you to thrive, not just to survive. Oh, God, my week was terrible. Man, I'm ready for God to move in your life where you're out of a season of surviving and stepping into a season of thriving. And that's my prayer for us as a church in 2019, that this will be the year that we thrive, y'all. This will be the year that we see the city rebuilt because we want to see God move in a way that has never been seen in this city. Are you with me, church? Amen. Let's pray this morning. Father, I thank you, God that you are calling us to be a church that's thriving, that you are calling us to be a church that's seeking out the well-being of this city, seeking out the well-being of our brothers and sisters in this house, God. So God, I just thank you, Lord, that you're with us. And I thank you, Lord, that we got some great faith that can say that you will do exceedingly, abundantly, above all that we can think or ask according to your power that is within us, the church forevermore. God, we believe that for us today as a church, and we will thrive, and we will see this city rebuilt. We will not take a step back, but we are moving forward in the grace of the gospel of Jesus Christ, Lord. So we thank Thanks for tuning in to Refuge Point Church's broadcast. We hope you were both challenged and encouraged by today's message. We would love for you to join us at one of our exciting worship gatherings each Sunday at either 9.30 a.m. or 11.15 a.m. We're located right off of I-85 in downtown West Point, Georgia. For more information, check us out online at www.refugepointchurch.org or you can download our church app by searching for Refuge Point Church in iTunes or Google Play.